1: Here we go. 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 This This is is it.
2: it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I'm Andy Dawson. I'm
1: Sam Delaney.
2: And this is another Keegan Odyssey. We are at the stage now where Kevin Keegan, of course, this—I should say—this is his autobiography. Um, My Life as an Electric Mouse which came mm. out in 2018 we're at the stage now where KK is the manager of Basket Case Club Manchester City which is populated mostly by drunks and vagabonds and ne'er-do-wells mm. and mm. he's he's tried to um, he's drive had, them had enough all of it
1: out. he's exasperated life by this stage life in football has started to wear him down
2: Yeah. Um, he's he's no nonsense, zero bullshit, zero tolerance. He's kind of been like a Pied Piper, and he's led all of the ne'er do wells to the edge of town, mm. and then booted them out. Um, never to be seen again. The likes of Mark Kennedy, Nicky Weaver, last seen thrown up in a bin. Um, and he, he he says, in my time at City, it was still the era when you could understand why Joe Royal used to talk about a virus in Manchester known as Cityitis which I mean that, that is typical City was always the thing wasn't it you know if if ever a club could do something wrong yeah. or fuck it up in any way yeah. City would do it yeah. I think Sunderland has took that mantle now
1: yeah I mean West Ham at times in the past I mean maybe everyone feels this about their probably, club probably yeah but City to be fair objectively speaking there was a period where everything seemed to go wrong for City
2: yeah uh, I mean Kev says the time for example when we signed a three year sponsorship deal with a company called First Advice we had all the, the shirts printed and the team pictures taken we put the shirts in the club shop and First Advice went bust within a year <laughs> <laughs> that happened to West Ham as well didn't it was that
1: but, yeah. was it and, Monarch or something and, uh, uh, no it wasn't Monarch it was a it
2: was airline wasn't it
1: it was an airline Fly Me or something Flyby? like that Fly B Fly B was it and we and we had to fucking play out the season because we couldn't even afford to get new shirts made up. Yeah. It was too much of a cost to get new shirts made up without the sponsor on. So we stuck it's a Premier League <laughs> team and we stuck over the top, like white squares with the players' numbers on. Yeah. Just to cover up like oh, they had
2: the other players' numbers on as well. There wasn't just like a square. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah, I had the players' numbers. I think they sort stick a square over it. Well, I don't know, yeah. it looks a bit shit. Yeah. Right? Something like that. so they look like sort of they were taking part in a fun run.
2: <laughs> it's easily done. It can happen. Uh he says with City there was always something going wrong. Oh my god, you'd say surely not. Then the people who had followed the club all their lives would let you in on the secret. It's Manchester City, mate. Mm-hmm. Happens all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he says, When I was at Newcastle the fans were always too optimistic. City's fans were too pessimistic, but they had a lovely self-deprecating sense of humour. They had this scene, typical City, whenever anything (laughs) went wrong. And though my natural inclination was to try to be upbeat, oh yeah, very much so. (laughs) Uh, Come on, everyone, it's not that bad. Let's all have a dance. Let's turn the frowns upside down, please. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, He says, a classic story when we signed a French striker by the name of Alioune Touré. And after one league game, he was ruled out for the season with deep vein thrombosis.
1: <laughs> Fucking brilliant things get ruled out with.
2: <laughs> yeah. What's wrong with Aliuni? Come on, run around, son. It's my mm. leg.
1: I thought I told you to wear those stockings on the plane whenever you were flying <laughs> the, long on the, haul. On the,
2: on the plane over from France.
1: And then always get up, do your stretches, and drink plenty of water. I take an aspirin because Jean says it thins the blood
2: oh it's not it wasn't the plane it says here he elaborates it was City's fault the club hadn't checked his medical records when he arrived from Nantes he was on medication don't check him (laughs) no No, no there'll be nothing in there I'll tell you what if there's anything in there you say you're not going to like it so just fucking turn a blind eye that's always the best way it was City's fault. The club hadn't checked his medical records when we arrived. He was on medication and when we got on a bus for a trip to Portsmouth, he didn't bring his tablets because he had no idea it was a six-hour journey. His leg flared up and that was the last we saw of him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> his leg's flared up now. <laughs> fuck, fuck it. Him. Let him go. Pipe, Piper. Take him to the edge of town. Get rid of him.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do not know how long Z Portsmouth I look on the map and it would look very, very nearby. he look about I don't know, 40 minutes? <laughs> yeah. Very little map. Yeah, That's well, a very little country. But, you know, it takes a while sometimes on the bus. <laughs> Especially if you get road work snarled up. Oh, your legs flared up. Never mind. Ta-ta. Uh, another one. Christian Negawi, another of our French contingent, also had a checkered time in Manchester, including landing himself in trouble by missing a random drugs test. We've all done it. Um it was a very innocent mistake, but an embarrassing one. Christian didn't speak very good English and failed to comprehend he wasn't supposed to drive off on the morning the drug testers arrived. <laughs> 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 DTF Nicates <laughs> Over for now. Fuck your drug test. It is not in anyone's interest for me to take this drug test. I, he drove off when the drug testers arrived. When I rang him, he cheerfully announced he could be back by four that afternoon. I asked him where he was. Liverpool Airport, he explained. My mother is visiting. He got a two thousand pound fine from the F.A. and he must have lost a fair bit of money during his time in Manchester. He came to see me one day to say he was in trouble with the police. He kept getting letters telling him he was being prosecuted for speeding. <laughs> How many letters? I asked, and he dropped a huge wad of paperwork on my desk. <laughs>
1: Well, maybe you should slow down a bit given I love to drive very fast wherever I
2: go <laughs> I am a man a young man I have <laughs> needs I have the need for speed uh, he didn't realise there was a traffic camera as soon as he drove out of the training ground in Carrington every day he was pulling out revving up to 50 in a 40 mile an hour zone and getting flashed there must have been 70 speeding notices <laughs> all from the same camera done every day
1: Fuck you now.
2: Training over. Woom woom
1: Time for fun times.
2: <laughs> it was amazing sometimes to think of the trials and tribulations that could trouble you as manager of Manchester City, but it was worth the occasional hassles when in my first season we were recreating the same kind of excitement I remembered from my time at Newcastle. I think he's right. I mean, I, I, do, I don't remember that City team as much as the Newcastle team because obviously no. I was growing up around the Newcastle mm. team. Uh, being a Sunderland fan, being incredibly envious of all that yeah. success and swashbuckling football. But I do remember that was that City team was really, really good, and they went up, sort of like a rocket, didn't they?
1: Yeah, they arrived in the Premier League good, but then it sort of things settled down a bit. But they had that Ali Benabia, who we'll probably get onto talking about, won't
2: he? I might skip that bit over. He talks about. He, uh, he
1: was like a genius. Yeah, he was like Diego Maradona. I don't even know where he's from.
2: Um, Algeria I think
1: yeah something like that they,
2: they got him in a trial he was actually on his way to Sunderland for a trial really and his agent popped in to City with him and says do you want to have a look at him while we're on our way over Yeah. and um, Arthur Cox spotted him and said that's a player that did us over when we were at Newcastle playing in the Champions League Ah. And sort of like seven years before so yeah. the City and Keegan got him before he got a chance to get over yeah, to Sunderland
1: no, he was I did he was some player yeah and he um, but I think the story goes is that he absolutely had the piss in the championship mm-hmm. but when they got into the Premier League he lacked a little bit of the pace because yeah, he was older and the
2: steel that was required yeah, as well so
1: they had to slowly phase him out but he was regarded with still now I read a thing by a City fan the other day and all if you think of all the superstars they've had through the club in recent times he still is named as by many yeah. City fans as the best player they ever saw
2: yeah, and Kev talks about pairing him in central midfield with Ial Berkovic.
1: Fuck you now. That is a lightweight <laughs> midfield,
2: Put <laughs> it? But that was championship, and that that did it.
1: I was when I was uh, younger. I loved Ial Berkovic when he played for West Ham. He was fucking sensational. And then in the end, he ended up at Celtic. And at one point, I can't remember whether it was that, before or after City. Must have been long before. And. I was in the fucking, I was in Glasgow working and I got in a mini cab from, I was working at Celtic. I've been filming at Celtic Park. Yeah. And when I got in the cab, the, you know, Glasgow Region cabbies, very friendly. You always make friends. And he's like, So what have you been doing up there then? And I'm like, Oh, you've been doing a bit of filming someplace. Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, massive Celtic fan. And I go, Well, I'm a big fan of Celtic. I said, And actually, I'm particularly fond of them because they've got, um, Isle Burkevich, who was who was like my favourite player when he was at West Ham, he got a real gem. There. he went, "The weird, real lad. He's got the heart of a moose." Kill <laughs> my cat. Yeah, it was. He was fucking livid with me. I, I couldn't have said anything <laughs> worse.
2: He's got the heart of
1: a moose. He's not cut out for this kind of football. Hey,
2: sorry, is that a mouse or a moose you're referring to? <laughs> because then?
1: a moose. I mean, it, it's, it's very, very important that I distinguish because a moose has a enormous are you still
2: here
1: moose mess whatever it is get out of my car yeah walk back to
2: fucking London talks about Sean Gorter as well who scored um, 32 goals in the promotion season at the age of 31
1: oh wow
2: um, I watched him in our first few training sessions and couldn't see the attraction was he quick? Not particularly. Did the ball stick to him? Nope. <laughs> How was his touch? Hit and miss. Overall verdict? We could find better. But then he scored 32 goals for me. Um, and he's another one who City fans, you know, they'll still talk about Sean Gota.
1: Yeah, feed um, the goat and he yeah. will score.
2: Yeah. Um, Darren Hookerby had as well. Paolo Onechop. I mean, it wasn't a defence minded team was it brilliant. in any way
1: brilliant. what a brilliant collection I love that that's like yeah. the way Redknapp used to be it's just like I'm going to sign loads of really exciting players and the fans get a lot out of that
2: yeah when I watched I mean we were we recorded this a couple of weeks ago before it goes out but when I watched Norwich on the first game of the season at Liverpool they seemed to be going for it Mm. and that's what they did to get promoted and I kind of hope that this season they do that and yeah. go for it and try and win and they'll lose a few 3-2 that's two. the
1: culture now isn't it that's the way that football's gone and that's great because yeah. there was a period where Mourinho was in charge of everything and um, there was a time it's when he, he he was sort of you know an, an Allardyce and all these players were the ones that were in vogue and now it's great because everyone's gone a bit Keegan
2: yeah I mean if Norwich go down but if they go down
1: What's this about Sheffield Fighting. United having attacking centre-backs who overlap? Yeah, this is, is what a joke? joke?
2: No, no, this is true, yeah.
1: So what, they overlap, so if the central midfielder's got the ball, suddenly a centre-back comes running past him, calling for it.
2: I think they've got a, d- a defensive midfielder that can drop back and the full-back's cut inside right. to make a three and the, and centre-backs, then the centre-backs go, go rampaging off.
1: It's fucking complicated. See, that's too complicated for me.
2: Yeah, it's rethinking the game completely. Yeah, it's silly. And I like it, it's Chris Wilder as well. It's like, oh, I'm Chris Wilder. Oh. I'm going to reinvent football. Fucking ah. strap in. Yeah, here it comes. Centre
1: backs the overlap. First of all, you lads, you're going to play centre back. Well, we are wingers bust. Not anymore. You're not. <laughs> Brilliant.
2: More of that, please. Um, where are we at? Yeah, he talks. He talks about that, please. And Stuart Pearce, of course, was the uh, the captain. As for the old punk rocker, as he describes him, <laughs> the captain's armband. Stu Pierce's contribution could be summed up by the time he suffered a hamstring injury that would have kept most players out for at least a fortnight. <laughs> Two days later, we were all training on a freezing winter morning, wrapped up in bobble hats and gloves in what felt like minus 10 degrees, but when he emerged through the mist wearing nothing but a pair of underpants and a towel wrapped around his head... <laughs> <laughs> it's ...age 39. That's why they called him Psycho. <laughs> This is brilliant. Has he done an autobiography? He must have done. Must have
1: done. I'll quickly look it up. Stuart
2: played forty three times for us that season, his last year as a professional footballer. Fucking hell. Um, had the opportunity for a perfect send off when we won a late penalty in our final game at home to Portsmouth three days before his fortieth birthday. Dave Besant was in Portsmouth goal. He'd have been about forty five at the oh, time fuck as well. Me, yeah. Um. In ordinary circumstances, he would have been trying everything to keep it out. These were not ordinary circumstances. It was the last kick of the season, four minutes into stoppage time. We were already winning 3-1 against a team that knew they were finishing 17th. It wouldn't have made any difference to either team if that penalty went in. But if you can put yourself in Stewart's boots, it was the final act of his playing career. 750 appearances, 78 England caps and those penalties that uh, he missed against the one he missed against Germany in 1990 and the hmm. redemptive one against Spain in 96. Yeah, He was on 99 career goals and now he had the opportunity to make it a century with the last kick of his entire career. Yeah. More than that, one more goal would see us establish a new club record of 109 goals in a league season. Huckabee was our regular penalty taker.
1: Fucking hell.
2: It had been agreed before that Stewart would get the honour if we got a penalty. As our skipper walk up and placed the ball on the penalty spot, Besant wandered over to have a word. Listen, he said. I'm not going to move. I'm going to stand perfectly still, so just put it either side, no sweat. Fuck now.
1: They would have been out in Italian ninety together, wouldn't they? Yeah. They must have bonded.
2: It was a gift, and our biggest crowd of the season, 34,657, was on its feet, waiting to see if Stuart Pearce could deliver a fitting finale to a marvellous career. He came forward, pulled back that formidable left foot, and I'll never forget what happened next. He blasted it
1: over. <laughs> he probably oh. did
2: that because Besant had told him he wasn't going to move. Yeah,
1: so he thought I can just smash this. Fuck.
2: No, he probably thought, "Fuck you, I'm not power having play. that. I'm not, I'm not." Double having power a- play. Yeah,
1: Besant tried to power play him, yeah. so he he counted. He thought I'm not having a free shot. Yeah,
2: I've got. I'm Stuart Pierce, I've got integrity.
1: I'm going to miss this. I'm blasting this I'm Stuart over the Pierce. I'm going to miss it. <laughs> this Let's is see how I, you like that, Besant. This is what
2: I do. He blasted it over and Bezant, true to his word, never moved an inch. Remember that scene? Typical city yet again. Nah, that's typical P.S. that, I think.
1: I don't care about numbers, stats, <laughs> records. I, I won't wor- fucking cheat. I worked my own rules. I won't not the che- numbers that the fucking ancient Egyptians imposed upon us. <laughs>
2: All my books at home, I've had them translated into hieroglyphics. <laughs> 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 So there we go. After winning promotion, my message to the city fans that there'd been too many false dawns and if I had my way this time it would be different if he had his way. Unfortunately there were other people at the club who had different objectives. Oh, not again. Oh, oh he's been undone by another fucking set of suits. Th-
1: this is this is life though. I mean, we've been we went a bit too deep into this before, so let's try not to do it again. <laughs> the, what he isn't learning is Life. We are all human beings, right? And we're all going about. I mean, think about when you're you find yourself staring at a massive army of ants. Yeah. Going about their business. Yeah. And it and it's it appears to be remarkable because they're all working in perfect sync and unison, aren't they? Yeah.
2: Is this before you go and boil a kettle? And
1: no, pour I it on I the- never ever <laughs> would do that. I know people who would. Burn them using a magnifying glass in oh, the sun, and that is disgusting. Psychopath. i have never hurt the ants, right? The ants are our friends, Andy. Are they? The ants are our friends, right?
2: I, I had an ant situation recently, which I mentioned on my other oh, podcast, yeah. Athletical Mints mm. with uh, with Bob Mortimer. Um, and I had an ant situation, and I've got a, I recently got um, one of those handheld vacuum cleaners. Mm. That it converts into a dustbuster type thing, and it's got that yeah. see-through cylinder. Mm. that goes round and round and sucks everything up and what I did was they were in the kitchen so I kept sucking them up and taking them outside and dispensing yeah. them because ants are so strong they can handle being sucked up
1: fuck like vortex no about.
2: they, they can't. were they were inside they were inside the chamber the cylinder thing oh, and you yeah. could see them walking around in it
1: oh yeah 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 oh they were absolutely fine oh man. they were alright yeah
2: and then I just let them free I drove to the edge of town like Kevin Keegan and the you pipe released pipe them thing. into the wild I released them to safety
0: Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to Bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's Bombus.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with Replacement Screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of Replacement Screens on sale through May 5th and check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com Jalapeño Do you want
1: to hear some celebrity ant-related gossip? Uh, I pitched yeah. it as a as a column to the Daily Mail Right All your celebrity ant-related stories <laughs> each week with Sam Delaney. Yeah uh, no, but this is Not true. Not
2: commissioned, I guess.
1: No, but I've still got high hopes. No, because I only had this one story, but um, Eamon Holmes, who you know, is a, a colleague of mine and, yes. and a business uh, partner of mine. and yes. He fell asleep, this was like a while back, in his in his um, den. He's got a rig. Has he got a He's rig? He's got a nice Eamon rig in his oh, house, right?
2: Uh, uh, yeah, uh, Celebrity rigs?
1: Fucking celebrity rigs. Honestly... I'll ask him one day that if MTV we can go and do a Cribs, cribs again,
2: isn't
1: it's, it? it's, yeah but Riggs is better because it's more reeks of a British different. yeah MTV yeah. reeks with Delaney and Dawson <laughs> right those Wid- special
0: yeah Whoa. but we
1: but he's got a gr- he's got a fucking great rig as you can imagine and he fell asleep in his rig yeah and he when he woke up he was covered in ants. Whoa! There was an ant infestation, and do you know what? In made, his rig,
2: indoors. In, in his
1: rig, indoors. Shit. And do you know what made it worse was that when he opened his eyes, he was like, "Oh, what's happening?" And he felt all of this tingle all over his yeah. back. because they would got to his face. Shit! And he With looked. It he looked around, and his son, his youngest son who's a teenager was just stood there filming it on his phone (laughs) (laughs) and obviously he was living and he jumped (laughs) up smacking his own face getting the ants off right so I thought this is really funny and he he forbade his son from putting it out on YouTube which is a shame because it would have been really good and then I did a bit more digging and spoke to other people about the incident who who had deeper knowledge mm. and it, what he hadn't told me I hope this isn't remiss of me but I think Amy had he was, gone to sleep with his fist covered in jam he'd gone to sleep <laughs> eating <laughs> a wagon wheel <laughs> and the wagon wheel crumbs were yeah. still about his person
2: yeah so they'd come and they and they led a
1: trail it. because they'd gone from his like the corner of his mouth mm. down chin down top, jumper. Yeah. Maybe even onto trousers. Yeah. And the ants had formed a battalion and they'd just gone all the way up to the source, which was the the corner of his mouth. And they were feeding off the wagon wheel crumbs. Were they just very happily.
2: You think they tipped them away? Maybe they they were carrying them back. their rig...
1: But to their ant rig. Yeah. But anyway, what I'm saying about it, about the ants, is you look at them and you think, oh, they're just they don't they only think as a unit they don't have any free individual will. Yeah. They're like a machine. But they're, they're m- like the
2: Nazis. But yeah.
1: But there might be people looking down on us and saying the same because it's so all purposes is incredible what humans achieve when they work together. But along the way, of course, every day there is gonna be people who are not seeing things exactly the way as you. Life is not what you want mm. and everyone else around you just making that possible. Mm. Life is about you having your objectives and then trying to navigate your way through and, fight and compromising and iterating what it is you want to do on the basis of what the other humans around you um, have as their own agenda. Yeah. right? I don't think Kevin Keegan's ever fully grasped this. He goes into an organisation, he thinks, this is what I want to achieve. And the moment there is anyone who might be blocking him, rather than think, well, they've got their own, see it from their perspective, they've got their own set of agendas which are bound to be different to mine, but maybe there's a way in which we can work on this together. He just thinks, well, they're just trying to stop me. These people are working against me and I can't work in an environment like that. Imagine if every fucking ant took that attitude. Yeah. Where would the ant community be now? They For wouldn't sure. have the huge respect of the human race that they currently enjoy. I sure. mean, humans probably respect ants more than any other creature, don't For, they?
2: Probably, yeah. I mean, as well, it goes back to what we've said in previous episodes, that that, uh, that there's never be a socialist utopia because of that thing where people will not work together as a collective. There's Free always, will. There's always vested interests and that our price probably was yeah. the only socialist utopia um of the 20th century
1: the only way there can be i think people would be prepared to work together if you could demonstrate that it would allow each of them as individuals to fulfill their dreams yeah. right which i believe is achievable there's no case study though right the problem is is that you do need power to be centralized mm. and then distributed and whoever it is who form that centralised power unit, history has told us, always, it goes to their head they, become, they 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 yeah. They become corrupt. They become obsessed only with their own power, and maintaining it. They justify it to themselves by saying, well mm-hmm. if I wasn't doing this, then it would be a free for all, and everyone would suffer. And they become almost blind to the fact, that all their people do suffer. But I think you can, if, if you had more benevolent people at the heart of it like not your Lenins of this world or your who else can we talk about Mao say tongues. yeah or, some people say Cuba is a big success but the mainstream media would never let us know about it right we'd have to go there to find out for ourselves okay. but apparently the healthcare is knockout
2: healthcare is knockout human rights not so much apparently God, now, well just, there you go are you saying that you and I should probably be running this country
1: I is think that the underlying I don't, message not I I think if if power went to either of our heads, it would be mine. I'd have more faith in you staying level-headed. Okay. But as a uh, as a pairing, like I think we'd be unbeatable. I think we'd be a good pairing because I think once in a while you'd put a hand on my shoulder and go, "Hey, Sam,
2: he's off, Delaney.
1: He's off, mate. Yeah, foot off the pedal. Remember, we're here for the greater good, right? And uh, I've noticed you're driving around very fast in this sports car (laughs) that you've somehow acquired." (laughs) No other fucking cunt as a sports car. And the rest of us are all driving government issue cars. Yeah, really horrible sort yeah, of Soviet, larders. Soviet-looking larders. You've got a Lambo, and it's in Claret and Blue. You've got you've, got, you've had a
2: Lambo uh, made, which seems to be an exact replica of Roy Racer's car from yeah.
1: 1981. Ah. And I've seen him driving up and down the road outside our compound... <laughs> where we run the country from <laughs> A gated compound and you're getting speed people are loaded we've had like about a hundred fucking speeding tickets and you just literally ignored them all because yeah. you're abusing your power
2: yeah well i'll try once,
1: once in a while you'd say that and if you could keep my feet on the ground which you have done successfully through the history of top flight time machine so, so far, far. <laughs> right then i think that together we could really make a big difference to people's lives
2: I think so. I think we'd definitely be better than whichever cunt's in charge
1: of Do you know why? Because we have one message, and it is this. Love. Love is the message, like the all-time great disco song oh, goes. I thought
2: the message was, you can't go back.
1: It's all put, wrapped up in it. There are su- there sub-messages within the overriding <laughs> right, message. But that's the overriding message. The overriding message is love. Love right. is the message. Yeah. Live your life with love. Within that, there are certain other sub such as you can't go back. Yeah. Different times, you fucking do it. Which even in a socialist utopia is a line that will be used. Not time in front of the kiddies. That's another one. Yeah, keep it away from the kiddies. Is another one. <laughs> On the coins,
2: <laughs> always be coining.
1: Yeah, ABC. Yeah, ABC. Always be coining, like they say in that film, <laughs> Glen, Gary, Glen Ross, which was about coining. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was about coining, wasn't think it? it? Was, so, yeah. yeah.
2: Fellas going out selling coin machines to uh, amusement arcades.
1: Oh, jeez. i am really <laughs> got to make this coin in sale.
2: <laughs> oh, man. I love that film so much. Um, where are we? David Bernstein preferred a more conservative approach to Kevin. He was a lifelong Manchester City fan, and he was always cautious about spending lots of money in case it didn't work out mm-hmm. and potentially plunge the club into trouble. Whereas I was prepared to spend it all
1: and see what happens. It wasn't my money after all. Me and Gene had ours squirrelled away in a post office account, so I knew I'd be fine either way. (laughs) Roll
2: the dice and see what happens, I used to say to David. Uh, He knew what I meant.
1: Gene, here's another £50. In your lunch break, go down post office and deposit (laughs) in the savings account.
2: He knew what I meant and I knew what he meant. I could understand his point of view and even now I don't necessarily think he was wrong. Um, he was a chartered accountant, a shrewd and intelligent man, and I knew from his very nature he would be re- reluctant to take the same financial risks as Sir John Hall at Newcastle. At the same time, I did feel David ought to have shown more ambition, and his determination to play it safe could eventually work against City. Well, you know, eventually it didn't. Mm. Everything turned out just fine for Manchester City. Uh, where are we go? He said I tried to sign up a I set up a deal to sign Robbie Fowler from Leeds and David went behind my back to try and change the terms here he is doing that thing again where he's right and wrongs many many years after the fact for example (laughs) here's my list of enemies but I describe them as friends they're kind of frenemies (laughs) Uh, we'd already shaken hands on a six and a half million pound fee Uh, myself and the Leeds chairman Peter Ridsdale equally batshit Peter Ridsdale and Kevin Keegan together would have been a fantastic combination
1: don't I think. It. imagine if, if Keegan had been in charge of that Leeds United I
2: don't team. think the city of Leeds would even exist anymore
1: <laughs> it could have been wiped <laughs>
2: off the face of the earth yeah somehow. you're
1: right because you can get toxic partnerships just as yeah. like you know I've said you're, you're level headed and I'm a bit more um, excitable right that's you need that I mean you know Lennon and McCartney yeah. McCartney was quite sort of um what would you say he was he was not level-headed but he was sort of more driven and buttoned down and practical yeah yeah. uh keith richards and mick jagger mick jagger who was the economics graduate who looked up who who had a keen sense of where every penny was cannon and ball cannon and ball tommy
2: was the kind of level-headed one who tried to keep it all together bobby was just a lunatic
1: little and large yeah again little was very much a i don't know what little brought to it he was a numbers man
2: do you reckon admin mm, it was. The numbers, like
1: SWAT. admin and logistics. Yeah. Uh large, large was just large. Fun times. living it large. Living it large. Yeah. Large by name. Large by nature. Crankies? Uh probably How did that work? I think I don't know with those two. I think maybe the lady one, you just expect her to be although she was the one who did the big belly laughs. Yeah. I also expect her to be the one who was She was the bean counter. Bean counter quite efficient. Yeah. Making sure they got on the right train. Yeah. So it's yeah, hard to it's, say. It's, it is, yeah. But anyway, double acts work. But what you can't have is when you have both people who are volatile.
2: Hmm. Because
1: if you have two volatile and excitable characters like Keegan and Risdell, fucked, like you say. What totally would this
2: podcast fucked. be like if it was two Sandileanis?
1: I mean, that is an interesting question. It would be long. Um, it, yeah, it would be long. It wouldn't, <laughs> and it wouldn't exist.
2: Like the City of Leeds.
1: Yeah, it would have been destroyed like the City of Leeds (laughs) and I would be destroyed with it.
2: (laughs) So he tried to sign Robbie Fowler. We'd been talking about Robbie for a while and we were convinced he could score a lot of goals for us providing he stayed fit. Then David phoned up Leeds with the player already on his way to Manchester and said City would pull out unless the fee came down by half a million. That was poor. It showed a lack of trust in me and made it look as though I'd been acting without the club's authority. At the very least, he should have consulted me, whereas the first thing I knew about it was a flustered call from Peter Ridsdale saying, I thought we had an agreement! Uh We managed to save the deal, but David's late intervention caused me a lot of embarrassment. He should never have gone behind my back that way. David, if you're reading this, I hope you reflect upon this and fuck off. And then he talks about David leaving the club amid all sorts of bordering politics about finance and structure and boring things like that. Mm. Uh, um, but of course, David Bernstein, as he points out, he took over from Francis Lee. And Francis Black Lee, now. who was a, a toilet roll salesman, I think, by was that he? point. Yeah, he was in the toilet roll business um, after he'd retired from playing. And it says here, City were a volatile, unstable club on the way to being relegated to the third tier for the first time in their history. I mean, to be fair, they were they were down there in League One. They're down there where my team, Sunderland are now. And as we found out, it's not that simple. To just get out of it and get back where you you think it is,
1: are. don't you? I mean, when you go down, it's the same as when you first go down to the championship. You think, ah, but so if you're a you know a decent sized club like Sunderland, West Ham, City, you think we've gone down. That's a shame, but we'll piss it down in this division. Mm. You you think it's that not. first? That was like the first time, maybe the second time. Even I saw West Ham relegated, I thought that, and it never worked out. I don't think we can't think for time. I can only think of once where we bounced back first time and even that was via the playoffs. But you go down and then presumably when you go down again, I mean, how did you feel when you were like last season when you were starting out in League One? Did you think, yeah, we should comfortably get promoted? It was
2: kind of like optimistic, but like with a a hint of caution. Yeah. You think really on paper we should do this. But even so, we'd... overhauled the entire team
1: yes so you've got to start sort of a game with a whole new 11 that had
2: gone down yeah and we'd still had I think 7 brand new players on the first game of the season
1: yeah
2: but you'd think we'd be able to attract the kind of players that would get us out of it but it's not that easy Sheffield United were there for years yeah and it took Chris Wilder and he's fucking overlapping centre-backs to
1: fucking fix to the situation to get the Premier League it's going to it? take something fucking radical to sort this yeah. shit show out I've
2: got to think outside the fucking box here we go <laughs> overlapping centre-backs fucking bang
1: what is that boss I don't know yet but we're going to fucking find out <laughs> <laughs>
2: right we'll leave it there that's it from this one um, Kev's about to uh, get into the Premier League with Manchester City and as usual it won't end well
1: it'll backfire and implode but cetera. that's why we're here
2: um Ta for listening As always We love you from the bottom of our hearts
1: Keep it country. ta